Welcome to this Walnut Wednesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to our special Walnut Wednesday report, we'll bring you a look at national and regional agricultural news here on the show today. And I'll start things off with a look at regional agricultural news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. In his first ever event after becoming speaker, Kevin McCarthy was accompanied by a bipartisan delegation of congressmen from California, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and North Carolina to speak at the recent World Ag Expo in Tulare. The representatives, members of the House Committee on Agriculture, visited California's central San Joaquin Valley to host the first official Farm Bill listening session of the year. We need to make this investment for the next generation of farmers because food safety is very important, according to McCarthy, not just to America but to the world. The Farm Bill is legislation that governs a wide range of agricultural and food programs and is typically reauthorized every five years. Since its last reauthorization in 2018, predicted and unprecedented challenges like COVID-19 have affected the agricultural industry across the nation. The current Farm Bill is set to expire by the end of September. Without it, programs that benefit farmers and the agriculture industry could potentially cease to operate since their funding is allocated through this legislation. The representatives reiterated their dedication to learning from the Central Valley's agricultural industry during the World Ag Expo last week. Instead of asking California farmers to go to Washington, in this new Congress, McCarthy wanted to make sure that Washington comes to them. Representative Glenn G.T. Thompson, chairman of the House Committee on Agriculture, defined the nation agricultural industry in three words, science, technology, and innovation. He assured farm workers across the country to enact policies to help their industry prosper. Those speaking at the in-person listening session were mostly concerned about water availability and access, farming costs, crop insurance, food security, and climate struggles. International Fruit Genetics LLC, the world's largest table grape breeder, which boasts over 48 patent table grape varieties and 10 patent sweet cherry varieties, has announced three new trademark names for its growing cherry cherry line, which currently includes the highly sought cherry moon and cherry glow cherries. IFG is proud to introduce Cherry Cupid. It's patented as an IFG Cheritin. This is a heart-shaped fruit with a sweet tart taste that will help usher in the cherry season, allowing consumers to fall in love with its unique and robust taste, according to the company. While this fruit is one of the more recent introductions, Cherry Cupid is performing exceptionally well in all test locations. Fruit from commercial orchards will begin to ship in 2023 from Spain and Chile, with cherries from California available in 2024. Additionally, there are two other newly trademarked named cherries in the Cherry Cherry line. Cherry Nebula, patented as IFG Terre 8. This big round cherry with a long green stem and intense taste comes early in the harvest window with a low chill requirement of less than 300 chill hours. And then there's Cherry Chap, patented as IFG Chair 9. This is another early season cherry with intense color and taste and a chill requirement of less than 300 chill areas. IFG's low chill cherries are early harvest, meaning they are the first cherry that consumers will see, taste, and provide the make or break experience that will entice the public to return for future purchases. All IFG varieties are non-GMO and are tested to maintain quality over weeks of storage to ensure the ability to travel well to domestic and foreign markets and still provide consumers that special eating experience that they have come to expect from IFG fruit. Once again, 
That according to the company, which is headquartered in Bakersfield. And according to the new vegetables annual summary recently released by the National Agricultural Statistics Service, in 2022, the nation's production for the 26 estimated vegetable and melon crops totaled 658 million hundredweight. That was down 2% from 2021. The utilized production totaled 655 million hundredweight, down 2% from 2021. Area harvested in 2022 was 2.14 million acres, down 5% from 2021. The top three vegetables in terms of area harvested were sweet corn, tomatoes, and snap peas. In terms of total production, the three largest crops were tomatoes, onions, and sweet corn, which combined accounted for 53% of all vegetables total. The value of utilized production for 2022 vegetable crops was $16.5 billion, up 27% from the previous year. Tomatoes, onions, and romaine lettuce claimed the highest values, accounting for 30% of the utilized value of production when combined. The Almond Board of California released their January position report on February 9th. January shipments reached 230 million pounds, a record for the month. The shipment figure comes in 9 million pounds higher than a previous January record seen in 2020 and was on the higher end of industry expectations. Following the data release, market participants reported to Mintech that offer pricing on a majority of items rose 5 to 10 cents a pound. However, the question for many market participants was if trading would be seen at this level, with one exporter saying offer prices moved up after the last report as well, but buyers weren't willing to engage and they came back down. Crop receipts came in at 2.48 billion pounds by the end of January, down 12% from the same point last season. Market participants expect the final crop receipt figure to come in close to 2.50 billion pounds, lower than the 2.60 billion seen in the USDA objective estimate, but not by a large enough margin to significantly change the supply-demand balance. New sales saw a significant uptick during January, with 350 million pounds put on the books. That's an increase of 108% from the five-year average new sales figure in January. The total industry sold position came in at 62%, only one percentage point behind average. Chipotle Mexican Grill has announced it's opening a new restaurant called Farmesa at 3rd Street Promenade in Santa Monica. Farmesa is a fresh, bold concept featuring delicious proteins, greens, grains, and vegetables that are inspired by Chipotle's food with integrity standards. The concept will soft open with an abbreviated menu and limited hours before officially rolling out next month, according to the company. Farmesa will serve a variety of bowls ranging in price from $11.95 to $16.95. Each bowl will feature a protein, green or grain, two sides, a choice of five sauces, and a topping option. Farmesa will launch with a limited run menu to help the restaurant team learn on various cooking techniques and maximize throughput. The concept's full menu will include dishes like classic Santa Maria-style grilled tri-tip steak, everything spice-crusted Aura King salmon, whipped potatoes, golden beets, sprouted cauliflower, and sweet potato chips. Here's a few fun facts from the California Department of Food and Agriculture. California produces 2.42 billion pounds of strawberries, 41.9 billion pounds of milk, 3.64 million tons of wine grapes, and 16.8 million stems. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, Growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. 
Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero, Superior Bees, Superior Pollination. Irrigation scheduling experiences were the topic of conversation on a roundtable discussion during last month's California Walnut Conference. A group of UCCE advisors and specialists, a farm manager, and a grower looked at where irrigation scheduling technology is taking the industry, but one question came up that brought it back to the method of irrigation itself for walnuts, i.e. optimal placement for different emitters under young and mature walnut trees. Retired UCCE Irrigation Advisor Alan Fulton shared his thoughts, and current Irrigation Advisor Kurt Pierce joined the conversation. I, I would uh, be positioning, whether it's stream splitters or my drip emitters around the tree, I don't want to see the uh, water subbing up into the crown of the tree, right. okay? And I'd be looking right at the soil line. Uh, if that soil line is getting wet along the tree, we oftentimes will remove that soil cut back into a tr tree there. You'll start to see some kind of a girdling effect at that soil line um, when, when, that, when the soil moisture right around that soil line in the crown are, is be, being steadily too wet. Right. Yeah, so basically the, the best rule of thumb is just you're just trying not to get any water on the, on the crown or on the trunk of the tree. I, you want to keep the water away from there. There's no roots I, right there I, anyway. I'm quite comfortable if you've got a three, four-foot zone around that, that trunk that's no water. Yeah, 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 it's something that you do see a lot, and you know, if you if you kind of think of it, there's really not a whole lot of roots there. They're going to be taking up water, so you know the roots are, are away from the trunk. So, the even simpler question was posed about whether or not the trees have a preference to drip emitters or micro sprinklers. Walnut grower Josh Barton said it depends on the soil. You got to take into effect what are your subbing qualities of the soil? What does the onion effect look like? Are you more lateral? Are you more vertical? Uh, it, it's really more of a question. Again, nobody's situation is the same. Everyone's got something different that they're dealing with. So uh, if you have good subbing qualities, then maybe that's a better way to go. Uh, it is efficient. Uh, if you do not have those capabilities or if you have ground that is more alluvial, uh, micro sprinklers tend to be uh, my preference. Uh, we've seen this. We, we have a block that for the first 20 years of the life of that block was on drip, subsurface drip. Um, we swapped things over to micro sprinklers uh, uh, after 20 years and noticed an immediate impact, not just in vigor, but also in production. So it was a, it was a good decision for us. Hal Crane, a farm manager at Crane Farming Operations, added on to Barton's comments, noting it's also a matter of infiltration of water in the soil. Fulton cited studies done with walnuts and almonds at the Nichols Soil Lab, a tree nut research facility in Arbuckle, California, that examined wetted soil impacts on production using different emitters. There, there were studies done at Nichols on the west side, both almond and walnut, looking at uh, different volumes of wetted soil impacts on production. And uh, those studies clearly showed walnut was a lot more susceptible to too small a volume of wetted soil, uh, more so than almond. And uh, I would say if you're gonna look at drip, make sure you're wetting at least 40% of the wetted area and, and, and that wetted volume you'd be getting with a micro sprinkler or mini sprinkler. Right. And of course, you know, you can't really achieve good frost protection with drip systems. So that's something else to yeah. keep in mind. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. 
sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. President Joe Biden has announced his intent to nominate SoShield Torres Small to serve as Deputy Secretary of Agriculture at the Department of Agriculture. The Senate confirmed Torres Small to serve as the Undersecretary for Rural Development on October 7th of 2021. Before serving as Undersecretary, Torres Small was a representative for New Mexico's 2nd Congressional District, the 5th largest district in the country. As United States Representative, Torres Small served as a member of the House Agriculture Committee. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said of the announcement that her expertise will further USAID's mission to advance equity and opportunity in and for rural America. He says he is fully confident in Undersecretary Small's ability to excel in this essential role at the department. Upon the conclusion of Deputy Secretary Jewel Bronaw's service with USDA, Kevin Shea, APHIS Administrator and a career public servant with more than 40 years at USDA, will serve as Acting Deputy Secretary. Farmers and ranchers still have time to be counted in a 2022 Census of Agriculture, according to USA's National Agricultural Statistics Service. Although the deadline for submitting the Ag Census just passed, NAS will continue to accept completed census questionnaires through the spring to ensure all farmers and ranchers take advantage of the opportunity to be represented in the widely used data. NAS Administrator Hubert Hamer says they want all producers to use their voices to help shape the future of American agriculture. NAS will continue to follow up with producers through the spring with mailings, phone calls, and personal visits. Farmers and ranchers are encouraged to complete their ag census online at agcounts.usda.gov or by mail as soon as possible. Federal law mandates that everyone who received the 2022 Census of Agriculture questionnaire complete and return it. The same law requires NAS to keep all submissions confidential. NAS will release the results of the ag census in early 2024. Building on 80 years of partnership, John Deere has announced a donation of $1 million to the National FFA organization. The donation will support the growth of future leaders, feed agriculture's talent pipeline, and honor the organization's community service efforts. John Deere is the longest-running sponsor of the National FFA organization and continues to advocate for FFA, its members, and advisors. National FFA Foundation President Molly Ball says for more than 80 years, they've been unwavering in their support and continue to see the potential leaders in each one of their members and advisors. In addition to supporting the organization financially, John Deere also has many employees who are former FFA members or supporters of the organization. As a result, they have one of the country's largest FFA alumni and supporters chapter. The chapter will be involved during National FFA Week, offering members opportunities to participate in activities promoting FFA and supporting local chapters. The latest round of Rural Partners Network Investments focuses on efforts to improve service to historically underserved communities in rural America. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. Continuing efforts to improve historically underserved rural communities were announced Wednesday in the form of investments through the Rural Partners Network. The Department of Agriculture is announcing $262 million from rural development to mission area focused on projects that will not only create good-paying jobs, but also provide a wide array of opportunities in these communities from low-income housing to renewable energy projects to improve water and wastewater systems to expanding educational health care facilities. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the current round of funding is targeted for 68 projects within the Rural Partners Network in nine states and Puerto Rico. 
Since its launch last April, 36 community partner networks currently are active in 10 states and the Puerto Rican Commonwealth. In some cases, it's an individual city. In some cases, it's multiple counties that have been designated. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. 